0: Hello Lifers, and welcome to our other episode on uh, Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. My name is Jesse, the African son. I'm sitting here with uh, Ephraim, who literally comes to me this week and assures me that for everything that is failing in my business, I am to blame. And so our conversation today is just going to center around that. How do you, who has taken the initiative to start your small business, you're trying to grow your business, become now the factor that is leading to everything for it to fall
1: I, apart? I, but Jesse, did I say everything? Mm. Did I say everything? I, I, you, I would say maybe what, 80-20? Do 80, you know the Par- Parado's law, 80-20? Yeah, hey, you are you are the twenty percent that is responsible for, for eighty percent of your business's problems. There is a a high a high chance. So why
0: would you start something and only work so hard to make it fail? Ego,
1: um, actually ego, pride, hmm. lack of humility. That is it. I think we can end the podcast here. We just <laughs> and we go. I I I I think I think it's 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 um. The biggest hindrance for any organization when it comes to its human resource is competence and capacity. Mm. You need to be skilled to do a good job, to do the right work. You need to know what you're doing and know where you're going and know why you're going. You need, again, I repeat, you need to be competent. Unfortunately, what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs is that you... We're too egotistic or egotistical to admit that we need to educate ourselves. And that's a fact. Um, the other day, I posted a, a, a reel on, on Instagram about the books that have shaped my entrepreneurship journey. Hmm. They were 21. And the five languages of love
0: is as well part of those yeah. books Standard. that are shaping Ephraim's entrepreneurship.
1: Standard, without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a lover. Jesse. Mm. I'm like I'm not fighting with anyone. But um, when I put 21 books, someone asked me, "They're like, but Ephraim, why are they so many?" And I'm like, "21 books are so many because in my head, learning is a continuous journey. So even if in one of those books I picked a sentence." or two, or one lesson, or two lessons. It, it, it It's a book that shaped my entrepreneurship journey. Mm. So saying 21 books is a lot. I find, I, it shocked me because I looked at the individual who was saying this and as you can predict, the individual was struggling business-wise. Mm. And even when you listen to why they struggle, it's a, it's a competence issue, right? Someone is not where they need to be to get the business to the next level. So like you said, when we sit down and we assess our businesses and the problems we have, if you're honest about it, you realize that it's you who's causing it. In what sense? One, you could be the reason why you, when you hire, you hire based on emotion, so you bring on the wrong people, or you are a bad leader, and so you chase away good people. Uh, you could be a poor money manager, And so you mismanage company funds, not criminally, but you just make emotional purchases, decisions around investments, uh, not based on data, just based on your quote-unquote gut. Mm -hmm. Or you could be somebody who is easily excitable by money. So you end up going to get bank loans, get services on credit, like a spender. You know, so spenders spenders can go, They somebody... um, I'm not gonna throw him, I'm not gonna put him on blast, but uh, there's somebody I worked with recently, and the guy was so too eager, Jesse, extremely eager to sign contracts with suppliers to get product on credit. Mm. Why? And you could see his excitement was to get a lot of things. In his mind, they are free things. But at some point, he has to pay back, right? Mm. And you find that those are just some of the signs or indicators. When you sit down and look at an individual and wonder why they're not succeeding at business or why their business is struggling is because it's highly linked to their personal shortcomings, um, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, the Jawari window. Have you ever heard of the Johari Window? You'll have to teach me about it today. Okay, so I'm also a student of my of my my father. He's the one who is an expert at teaching about the Jawari Window. But if I remember it correctly, there are four elements, right? And I think I only remember two. But one on in one window, it's or in one section, it's what do I know about myself that people don't know? What do people know about me that I don't know? And then two other things I can't remember. But it's that last, that second thing I mentioned that is so critical. What do people know about me that I don't know? Jesse, it is extremely humbling, extremely humbling Hmm. when people tell you you are not all you think you are, and you hear it from one person, two people, three people, five people... That's a reality check and you have to ask yourself, is there something I can do better to improve? Now, someone would say, but um, sometimes uh, you have people who are misguided, they misunderstand me. I mean, it's, you can call it misunderstanding until you realize that five people view you that way. Like Jesse, if people come and say that Ephraim, Ephraim is a talker and me in my heart, I believe I'm a quiet guy. You know, Jesse, am I not a quiet guy?
0: Sometimes you you look like one, but I, I,
1: I look, from the offset, I look, you're I look just look like a talker. I, I, okay, and so in my head, I think I'm a I'm a I'm a good listener. I genuinely think like if I sit down with you and I've made a commitment to listen to you, I will listen to you well. But people in my life don't see it like that, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not just one. It's not just two. There are many. Mm. So in that. Context, what happens? is I keep having to be conscious of that. Like, So I find myself in environments where I force myself to listen. So I've created a kind of checkers to make sure that I'm not domineering. As a type A personality, I'm a domineering person. But you can't be an effective leader if you don't listen.
0: Let me draw you back to something that you have mentioned, where it is all about the business owner uh, trying to undo his own good intentions mm-hmm. by poor planning and mm-hmm. not being involved, mm-hmm or being a poor money manager and all of that. you uh, know, In a general of entrepreneurship and owning a business, does it really mean that uh, being the owner, you have to be at the forefront of all of your operations or some of the things could just be given away and then you're just doing the checks of if the right thing is being done by your business managers?
1: And so, you know, Jesse, I'm going to do what I like to do and ask, return the question back to you and ask, what do you think? Do you think it's possible? Because I call it remote control entrepreneurship. Mm. And so I'm already biased against it. But you may have a different perspective because I know you're an investor. And yeah. there are ways you manage your investment. So I'm curious, how, how would, do you think it's possible?
0: Uh, well, partly I believe that someone has to be involved in their business because no one else is going to mind your business if you're not minding your business. Exactly. (laughs) However, Mm. you could be skilled in so many other things. For instance, I'm not good with fashion Mm -hmm. and then I could want to start a fashion line Mm -hmm. and I've identified talent that is way too good and I'm seeing it as a lucrative business because I've seen a gap maybe to Mm -hmm. export. Mm And so I invite in folks who are very talented Uh in the fashion industry, Uh and so we start to work together. Now, what I'm going to do is I will bring to the table the things that I can do, maybe Uh source for funding, Uh uh, networking to... You, you know to, to find markets, mm. and then the actual work mm. is being done by somebody who I believe know what has to be done mm-hmm. for the business to move forward. And mm-hmm. then, because I have put in place systems, mm-hmm. I'm simply monitoring if we are doing the same thing and aligned. So,
1: is <laughs> I hope you heard that. Um, that is the school of business. You just got schooled by Jesse. But now, this is what I want to tell you, Jesse. You are like the like you're in. A different category. You're like the 5% of entrepreneurs who are extremely gifted. And Jesse, by the way, this is your talent, right? And I'm telling you, this is your gifting. And anybody who has spent enough time with you knows this. You are extremely gifted at talent identification and then talent empowerment. And so you can spot something in somebody and you give them the platform that they need to take themselves to the next level and you give them that encouragement. And so that is your superpower. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you're able to do that. But... The majority, 95%, 90% of businesses are started and ran by technicians. So they have the technical skill for that business. Mm. And what that simply means is that it's very difficult for them to get out of the way because they know what needs to be done. So for you, you're, you are the kind of person who knows how to identify an opportunity, identify the, the resources needed, so the money, the people, and bring them together for, for you to create value for the consumer and for yourself and for everybody involved, right? Very few people have that ability. Very few, Most people, what they do is that they identify an opportunity in their line of expertise mm-hmm. and they know what can be done better from a technical perspective. Then they get involved in that and they assume, just because I know what needs to be done, everything else will will line up. So if I can create a good product, it will line up. The businesses, the finances, and that's why, again, we even have this salty Africa, this living entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. because we're like, we wanna educate you on the technicalities of running a business. This is finance, this is human resource, this is leadership, this is management. The whole idea is that it's, it's it's a trade, it's a technical skill. So even your talent identification is a technical skill. And so I'm saying that I don't believe entrepreneurs can run a business via remote control. You need to be involved in your business, you, especially when you're starting out. Because, again, if I, for me to be able to realistically know what I can demand of my team, if I'm selling a product, right, mm-hmm. I need to have tried to sell it myself. And I need to know the limitations of the product. What do the customers actually say? Second-hand information. Now, let me tell you a, a simple example, right? And this is from a language perspective. I'm Rwandan, but I was not born and raised in Rwanda. Mm. And so, unfortunately, I didn't get the privilege to, to learn my mother tongue, right? Um, and so, when I came to do business in Rwanda, obviously, I came and I, the, the, the language of, of trade was vernacular, Kinyaranda, Right. Me being an a, an English speaker, and that being my primary and probably only language other than the language in the country where I grew up, I didn't understand how to communicate with the people I was doing business with. So I relied on my team members to help with being a, 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 a go-between for communication. And I kid you not, that second-hand information was was exactly that. It's the difference between buying brand new clothes and second-hand clothes. It's the mm-hmm. difference between buying a brand new car and secondhand, a second-hand car second-hand info or data is always going to be second rate. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing applies even in business. If you're going to allow people to run it and you're relying on, on that second-hand information to determine what you're going to do in your business, you're at a disadvantage. You need to be on the ground. I'll give a quick example and then we can, we can close this off at that, at that, on that note. Uh, 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 the founder of Pick and Pay... Pick and pay is like the equivalent of Simba, but massive. Mm. It's a billion-dollar company in South Africa. It's a South African supermarket chain. The founder, when what, what an interesting thing, he passed away recently, but what he used to do, um, every day he would visit one of his stores and he would spend the majority of his day there. Mind you, this is a billion-dollar company. This man died in his 90s, if not 100 or something. He would go every day to his supermarkets, these I'm, I'm talking of like large supermarkets. He wouldn't sit in his office air conditioned somewhere. No. And then he was asked why. And he said, it's because I get a chance to see what's being done where the money is being made. He gets to be on the ground. In, in Kinyanda, or at least in our local vernacular, we say Tere, on the terrain. You're on the you're on the ground. You see what customers are buying, what they're not buying. You're seeing the faces of your employees and the staff members with their level of satisfaction and disgruntlement. That is so critical for any entrepreneur. You need to be physically present. present.
0: Living entrepreneurship by salty. Ephraim Romwenke here and myself, Jesse the African son from the school of business we have in this conversation. How do you begin your own business and then become the main player? <laughs> in trying to kill it because we know it happens so many times mm. and uh, sometimes when i'm doing advisory services and i'm looking at an entrepreneur who i am telling the right thing mm. to be done and they're stiff necked mm-hmm. like no, no we will not do that mm. we will not take that direction like okay yeah take the way you want yeah but the consequences are Either you are going to spend way too much Mm -hmm. and recovery is going to be a problem Mm -hmm. or you're going to lose everyone Mm. in the team because they're going to become disoriented Mm -hmm. and say you do not understand the trade Mm. and they will not want to waste any more time with you and Mm -hmm. they would walk away. Mm. What surprises me is you find the entrepreneur is not bothered. They just feel like it will be fixed, maybe miraculously.
1: That's that's why I told you it's about pride and ego. It's a level of arrogance my my guy like you 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 see we talked about how an entrepreneur has to be present in his business to be able to be present but also step out of the way is one of the hardest things it's a it's a it's an interesting balance it's a balancing act right you have to be there but you need to also be able to keep quiet and step away so that you can allow the people who are good at what they're doing to do what they're doing and like i said if you get a technician if you get a again in your case an advisor or a, you're an advisor or you're a consultant and you've come in to help somebody improve that business and you're giving them recommendations based on an objective perspective and they apply their emotions into the thing and they say no 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 no, no. i know guys who will refuse to hire people because of ego mm. or will hire people because of ego like, oh, I need to do this to impress this friend of mine, or I need to do this. There's a, there's a saying, and I know this one is on a personal level. It says, it says, and it's attributed to Warren Buffett, and I think we've said it on this podcast before, but um, we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. Mm-hmm. And you find that that emotion gets carried into a business. You find we make a lot of our decisions in businesses from an emotional perspective. And the number one emotion that is at the heart of it Arrogance, pride, and our ego.
0: Living Entrepreneurship by sorty a great conversation here. We're talking about uh, business owners killing their own baby their own business. My name is Jesse the African, and I'm with Ephraim Ramwenge. Here we call it a school of business. We're just sharing our, you know, entrepreneurial experiences, what we have seen with our different customers we have interacted with, in our advisory, you know, engagements, and of course, our own doing and undoing mm. in uh, our entrepreneurial journey. Now, we know that for business, there are inherent challenges, there are pitfalls, A business begins. You have a big dream of what you want to achieve with your business. And then a business closes. You know, Mm -hmm. dreams are bashed. Now, I know that there are so many things that can kill a business. For Mm -hmm. instance, poor cash flow can kill a business. We Mm -hmm. spoke about cash flow. Mm -hmm. Inadequate leadership can Mm -hmm. kill a business. You've spoken about leadership. Disengaged employees who just come around to you know, waste time on Facebook mm-hmm. and, and the internet. Mm-hmm. They seem present, but they're actually not present can kill a business. Mm. The lack of business planning mm-hmm. kills a business. Strong competition can kill a business. Inefficient marketing kills a business. Mm-hmm. But I would like you to mention, for instance, on poor cash flow, it kills a business. But where is the role of a business owner in these aspects?
1: So you've mentioned... <laughs> you've mentioned seven eight things i believe mm. didn't you notice that these they're all in the con- they're all within the control of the business owner that the business owner can determine how each of those things pan out or how they end up performing or what goes on in each of those aspects let's talk talk you mentioned cash flow let's take cash flow cash flow is interesting because when we talked of cash flow we talked about this aspect of commingling funds mm. man commingling funds is one of the biggest, biggest, biggest problems most businesses have when it comes to cash flow. You find the month has hit a corner, an entrepreneur needs to put fuel in his car, and on the account there's like a car 50K left, just so that he feels like he's not taking all the money out of the company account. Mm. The guy will go and put fuel for like 30K. And you're like, you do know that that is, yeah, you can write it off as a business expense, but it, it it's... It's because you, f- you believe in your mind that the company money is your money. That's where there's that disconnect. Now, I want to, there's um, something I watched recently. It's, actually it actually was Vusi on his, on his Instagram page. And he was talking about the, the income statement when you look at it and how the entrepreneur gets paid last, in the form of dividends, when you look at how money is dispensed across that, the income statement, and I'm not going to get into those details, but he, he, it was very interesting because it's so clear that after suppliers, after workers, after um, the government in taxes, after the bank with interest, you are the last person to get your, your cut. Unfortunately, we want to find ways of us um, getting money, um, From our businesses, we think that revenue we make is ours. Mm. The other last week we talked about how you would take the tax money and use it for other things, instead of paying it, you're like, I'll find the money and I'll pay it back. Now, why that why does that happen is because you you felt like there was a competing priority, but you'd find that that priority is realistically, if you look at the business priorities, was not it was not a business priority. It might have been a personal priority. Mm. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, when it comes to cash flow, how business owners really destroy their businesses is not understanding that them and their business are not the same thing, that they are a steward on behalf of that business. And once the biz- they have done a good job, the business then will pay them. It's like a mokosi at home. Do you pay the mokosi in advance? No. When you pay the, the person who had the house help, who helps you, or a contractor, okay, contractors are different, but let's talk about the people at home. When someone to, comes to work for you, do you pay them that salary in advance? No. You say work? At month end, I'll pay you what is yours. Mm. It's the same way you need to perceive your work with your your employer, your business. You're going to work, and at the end of it all, when everything is said and done, if you did a good job, here's your check. And so now what that should mean is that on a personal level, you need to improve your personal financial literacy levels. You need to increase your financial literacy. So do you do a personal budget? Do you have personal investments? Do you have other sources of income that are beyond this money that's within this business? So that you can not rely on this business's cash flow for your own cash flow. And so that's just one example. Mm. That's just one example. When a business owner meets other business owners, and he says, uh, I'm the founder and CEO, of Ephraim enterprise right that is the first layer of of ego Mm -hmm. laid Mm -hmm. foundation i am this i am do you know i am the final decision maker i am the beginning and the end of this business i'm the alpha and omega of this business Mm. that's the first layer do you know the second layer when they continue talking about that business because they'll be asked by fellow entrepreneurs. I know in Rwanda we're a bit more reserved, but abroad it's it's more common than than most people think. Uh, It is a $10 million a year business, or we do revenues of of $500,000 every month. I'm I'm just giving this as examples. If you make that money, good for you. Um, But that is the second layer of ego. And now it's laid on thick. At that juncture, his the entrepreneur's personal identity has been tied to the company's identity. Mm. He has he is a, the founding CEO of a company that is doing X in revenue, and he feels that he's a big guy. And so now you try to tell that person that that money is not yours, that you have to work and then you'll be paid after. They don't want to hear that. That's why you said you talk to a client and try to give them advice, and they don't want to listen. I don't I don't know how many clients I've sat down with to help with budgeting. And getting the finances in order, and you do a budget and you have a plan. And then when the money comes, they are located into other things. Then they call you and they're like, I have this issue, and you're like, But what happened to the money that we had budgeted? Says, No, you see, I had to do this, I had to do this. Okay. No, I couldn't. Like, okay, well, let's figure it out. What else can you say? Mm. But there's, you can just clearly see that it's at the heart of it is ego. Uh,
0: I don't know if it, this will be. It a bit of a diversion i know sometimes as a business owners we we carried away you know when our money has mixed with the business and so we, we start to feel like the business is within our money and the money is within the business your heart is where your treasure <laughs> lies everything mm-hmm. is intertwined mm-hmm. at what point should i as uh, an entrepreneur stop picking money from my pocket and putting it in a business uh, to completely go and say the business should finance itself or it should go to the bank and find the money. Some entrepreneurs would say, I do not want to go to the bank. At least I would continue to fund where I can because they just fear just in case the bank attaches all of their mm. the other things.
1: Okay. So there are two things that are in your question. The first one is about investment thresholds. Investment thresholds, right? Mm -hmm. The second one is knowing when to quit. And I don't know if you know that that's what you actually asked, but it's actually implied in your question, right? I hope you're
0: not trying to imply that when an investor is saying I'm not putting my personal money anymore into the business, then they are quitting their
1: own business. um, That's why I said it's tied to thresholds. Mm -hmm. So let's let's start with thresholds, then we'll talk about the quitting aspect, right? So... You need to know from day one what your, what your limit is. So, yes, if, if Jesse comes to me and is like, hey, Ephraim, this is a particular business we need to invest each 20, 20 million, 25 million, right? Realistically, that's not the money you're going to invest. Mm. You need to budget to spend like an, an extra like 15. That means my own mathematics, right? Mm. Some people will say, man, I'm willing to do double. Some people are like, beyond 25, I'm not going in to put in something. Granted, I'll tell you, if you're going to put in 25, you have to have some extra funds for unforeseen things. Now, for me, like I said, Jesse comes is like, do 25. I'll keep another 15 million as my extra money to put in. But beyond that, we have to find other sources of income. Because I'm looking at, so there's something called the sunken cost fallacy. Mm. So sunk cost fallacy is a psychological principle where they talk about how once we commit to something and we're doing something we can sync we can sink with it because we don't want to feel like we don't want to give up on on this thing but thresholds help because thresholds help you not burn all your capital in some business ideas that are not going anywhere because mm. sometimes you find that you have a business opportunity and you want to explore it and it's exciting at the moment but then circumstances change now this is now coming back to quitting there are some times where you have set a threshold, but you see that there's still room. Now, perseverance is one of the, and persistence is one of the, the, the strong, the, the beneficial character traits any entrepreneur should have for them to survive. But the question is, when do, should you call it quits? Like, do you push until until, or do, do you change? And there's something I, I, I read recently where they talked about how you should only shift or pivot from what you're planning to do. If you've gotten information that renders the opportunity you're currently pursuing null and void. Mm. But if the information is still the same, push on. And what I mean by that is the information of the opportunity, like you did your research properly, because sometimes you don't we don't do our research properly. So if you see that it's not working out as you plan, go back to vet the research. And so then they will then determine whether you continue or not. And that's what I'm trying to say. So once you have a threshold to decide whether you want to go beyond that threshold or not, or and explore other options. One, it's capacity. Don't put all your life savings and 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 money into a venture that you think might not, or you think it's not succeeding and it's struggling. You should only put your life savings if you want to scale something. That's number one. Number two, once you have figured, once you have set your threshold, the only time you go past your threshold is if there's an opportunity to put in more money, if you realize that there's some information that is not that has come to light, that was not there before, that has changed the dynamics of the opportunity, then in that context, put a cap on it and allow someone else to care, carry the risk with you because it's about risk, mm-hmm. your capital risk. So you're like, I've already put in enough. Let the bank come in, let a financer come in, let an investor come in, and we share this risk. Maybe there's something that they can do that I can't. Maybe their capital can take us to a level that would make this business profitable or make it work. And so those are just, I, I would say that is the number one, or one and two. But those are the, the things that someone has to look at, the key things.
0: Isn't it much more costly to quit than to, you know, persevere and uh, see what can be tweaked around the business idea?
1: <laughs> it depends. It depends. Hmm. I say it depends because, it again, if you're going to persevere and it keeps asking you for more money, And again, you're delusional to the reality that people have moved on from this business. Let me give a simple example, right? Um, BlackBerry. When BlackBerry was BlackBerry Hmm. or Nokia, one of these phone companies, if they continued to persevere and continue to take investor money to pump in and they're like, no, we need to, we can beat Apple. What would have happened? The investors would have lost their money. But the reality is that and it would have been more costly. But the reality is that when they realized that they were beat, they started looking for an exit, which was to sell the company, so sell the IP. And so eventually they sold the IP to, to this is Nokia, they sold the IP to, to, to Microsoft. Mm. And they managed to get out early enough. Um, and then there are some times where um, an opportunity is there, but because someone is pursuing a quick buck, they are not patient enough to see it come to fruition, you know? Um, and so again, it comes down to expectations of the investor, the, the, the objectives of the investment, the room they have. Because some people, I, was, I kept, I told this to, I was telling this to my mom the other day. And I was telling her, do you notice these restaurants that last for over 10 years that you have seen since 2014 and even before? Why, why are they still there? I said, it's because most of the, and so I was telling her, have you noticed that most of them, the owners, owners of the property where these businesses are? Mm-hmm. So they have that leeway. They have that runway to lose money because they don't have to worry about rent. But a business, a restaurant that is paying rent every month, they have very little legroom to wait for customers to come. They need to get it right the first time and, 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 and get it right well. I want
0: us to come to a closure of this conversation mm-hmm. because our time is fast spent. Uh, so Ephraim and I uh, have this wild idea mm-hmm. to get into The restaurant business. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But none of us has actually owned or run a restaurant business in Kigali before. I tried one in Kampala, Mm -hmm. and uh, it just went down flat Mm -hmm. because I was remote, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, trying to manage a restaurant in a very super active, Mm -hmm. you know, city of eaters. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, COVID contributed, so Mm -hmm. the restaurant went down, and now this idea has come back again of Mm -hmm. us starting a restaurant together. I want to just get into your mind quickly What kind of entrepreneurs did you envision us become with our idea of starting a restaurant in Kigali, uh, having no background in the kitchen? Uh, What were we supposed to be doing then and there? And how would we have contributed to the success? Or how shall we contribute to the success of this restaurant?
1: So, So, one, do you know two things? I talked about, I think I talked about this on Granted about marrying for the right reasons, marriage and business. Mm-hmm. And I talked about three things, I said mutual respect, um, how did I now? I've even forgotten mutual respect, uh, you, you need to be okay with whatever it is that irritates you about the other person not changing or the person staying the same or it getting worse, right? Mm-hmm. The bad things about the person's character. And then last but not least, um, you guys are on the same page. So shared values and shared expectations. So first and foremost for you and I, we are on that, we seem to be on the same page. We share the values, we both respect each other for our crafts, even though we may not know the restaurant business, but I respect you as a businessman as a, like again, I mentioned how you can identify talent and spot opportunities that one is is your gifting, so that one I trust you also have technical experience you're you're older than me, so you're also somebody who has seen life more than me, and then you've been in Rwanda also longer than me. there's that then there's also the fact that Jesse, whatever it is that irritates you about me, I can manage <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'm like. You you are a very sp- you you plan your things, but you're spontaneous when it comes to communicating those things. Mm. Extremely, like, uh-uh. <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm I've accepted it. Like you 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 have been you have you be sit with information for like a day or two, and then you tell me, hey, did you know that today at this? I'm like, just see I'm like, w- you could have told me. It's like, yeah, I, th- I thought I told you, I thought I communicated, but anyway. I'm okay with that now that's the first part the second part is that you and i are naturally curious individuals we are you know we are eternal learners so we are always willing to learn new things from different people and learn new ways to do things and explore new ways so i don't see it being a hard thing we just sit there and women also and then we're also brilliant individuals i'm not blowing our own horn but i think that we're not dense to the point that we can sit somewhere and we don't figure it out Mm. so i figure i'm like two heads are always better than one we sit somewhere we can figure out how this business works and we learn from the people who are there because I, I mean our context is that we're acquiring, it, we're acquiring an existing business so it's a matter of coming and first watching and observing um, only a fool enters a, a crowded room and starts talking mm-hmm. yeah, have you heard that saying mm-hmm. yeah so you 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 come in and you observe first you observe first and try to figure out okay how does this thing work and all of that and then that's when now you can now start to add your your your, your own unique touch to it so that's what I think is going to happen by the grace of God if we decide to actually put the trigger on it um, but I I think it's actually going to be very successful.
0: I hope that uh, sometime in the future we will be able to share with our Audience, Almost how definitely. this is is actually most, coming through <laughs> most, most, def- most definitely,
1: and I would even ask them to come and eat there.
0: <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, thank you so much, Ephraim, for the insights that you have shared today. I hope that somebody has been able to learn a few things uh, here and about. Now, every day, every now and then, every week, Ephraim has something called "Granted." Yeah. So many episodes running. Maybe you could direct us to where we find this information for entrepreneurs.
1: Yes, so you can find us on all our social media platforms. That's at Salty Africa. S A L T E E Africa on Instagram, TikTok, um, Facebook, uh, and x.com. So um, myself, I'm found at, um, you can find me at Ephra, that's E P H R W A on all those platforms as well. My full names are Ephraim Ramweng on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Um, Jesse is uh, Jesse chi in on, on on LinkedIn, uh, <laughs> looking all serious. Um, Today's looking like Uncle Prosperity dressed down for a Friday. I'll be like, but anyhow. Um, yeah, so that's it. Jesse, people find you where? Where do they find you? Uh, go on X, look at
0: for Radio Host underscore Two
1: fifty wow. It's not 250. 250 raw, whatever it is. I mean, it's 250. Yeah, <laughs> I do I, th- I, think, I think they will find us. We're uh, not hard sure, to find Surely you will yeah. have
0: a way to find me. Yeah. Uh, next week, I think we could have a conversation on how a business owner's passion and vision play a crucial role in driving a business forward. Yeah. Vision is everything. So see you next time. God bless you. It's Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. Bye-bye.